is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 474 for your april 20th 2023 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your thursday afternoons wherever you may be man it's 420 it is 420 how you guys feeling today? Are you celebrating, man? You lighting one up? Are you guys lighting one up in the venue today, man? I may actually allow you guys to do that here. I may actually allow you guys to do that here, even though there's a strict no smoking policy. Now, you got to go upstairs. You got to go upstairs to go uh, walk outside and then go smoke outside by the dumpster behind the venue, but... Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll let you guys light one up in here today just because of the day that we're celebrating, right? I don't know. Now, how many of you guys are smoking in the venue, man? I don't know. I don't know. I don't smoke. So I got a cold beverage. That's all I need. And I got you guys. That's all I need. And we got a lot of wrestling news, and we're going to go over what we need to this afternoon, man. We got a loaded show on this Thursday afternoon happy hour. We're going to talk about the Bill Goldberg situation. Apparently, Bill Goldberg's name is being uttered a lot in the community. And there are rumors that we have Bill Goldberg on his way to AEW. And I talked about this on the podcast last night when I was live with Jesse. Uh, it's an inevitability that it's going to happen. I just fully believe that. But Goldberg apparently is out there citing that he wants a four-city tour, a retirement tour, to close his career out. And that Vince McMahon promised him this and then backed away on this handshake deal that they supposedly had. So we'll go over because I have some legitimate concerns for uh, this entire Bill Goldberg situation. Also, we'll go over the news about Warner Brothers Discovery apparently Wanting WWE programming on their networks. Is that likely? Probably not. But this is definitely a story to keep an eye on because the WWE will now soon be negotiating TV rights deals because they have their TV rights deals coming up and that needs to happen this year. So we will go over that. Uh, There are reports backstage of what is being described as bubbling paranoia within WWE over looming roster cuts because Nick Khan is out there scaring the living shit out of everybody. 50 to 100 million in budget cuts happening in the WWE when this Endeavor deal finally closes at the end of the year. We will go over ESPN and WWE in talks for new projects together. That is also something to keep an eye on. We got draft news 
We got news on NXT stars moving up during the draft and why they didn't debut on the Raw after Mania. The WWE draft is the reason. And a NXT, NXT star currently on the roster that WWE is eyeing to main events, WrestleMania, in the years to come. Will it happen? I don't know. But one thing is for certain, if you guys know who I'm talking about, you know that you have to put the lotion in the baskets. My good old friend Von Wagner, man, that's what's uh, going on there. I I don't know what they're thinking there, but we'll talk about it. And we got more news on top of all that. So make sure you guys are strapped in, seated, and with a cold beverage, man. It's going to be a great show. Thank you guys so much for joining me on your Thursday afternoons. Make sure you hit that thumbs up. Number one, we need that thumbs up, man. A thousand likes minimum, minimum in the venue tonight on Off The Scripts. Sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys go check out Blue Chew. You guys are going to get a free sample on me. Just for going to BlueChew.com and using that code JD. All you have to do is pay the five, five dollars shipping and handling. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos on the channel. All the other live streams. We were live on Monday. We were live on Wednesday last night. There was some great discussion on that AEW podcast, man. Really, really, really great discussion. Jesse and I had a great time. I thought that was one of our better shows this year. Talked a lot about the rumors going around with this soft brand split. Very critical of the creative direction on AEW Dynamite last night. What's Tony Khan thinking? Wardlow's the champion again. Three-time TNT champion. Will Hobbs, where does Will Hobbs go? A lot of things that didn't really add up, man. A lot of frustrations vented on last night's show. Go check it out. Like I said, very, very good discussion between Jesse and I. And make sure you guys get those Super Chats in, man. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show, as always. And memberships are open. Always accepting applicants to the VIP club, man. That couch right behind me where you see me dressed as a mafia boss. Yeah, that's the VIP section, man. If you guys are watching on YouTube, that's the VIP section. You want to sit over there, you got to sign up. You got to hit that join button. And you got to join the VIP club. So make sure you guys go and do that. And follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. A lot of people are making uh, Twitter today a big deal because uh, Elon has taken away the legacy verified badges. And the only way you get your blue check mark now is by paying $8 a month. To me, it's nothing, man. I mean, if you guys want to go out there and pay $8 a month, so be it. I mean, I'm a content creator. It's worth it. What the fuck is $8 to me? I spend $8 on fucking coffee every day, so what's the big deal? Uh, Plus... You guys are going to get priority search. That's why I do it. But a lot of people are complaining about it. Where's my badge? Where's my badge? Well, you could pay $1,000 for a gold check mark. It's either $8 or $1,000. Choose your poison. But follow me on Twitter, man. I'll be on there uh, as usual. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. 
Appreciate you guys very much for all the love and support, man. Got a couple of big shows coming up. And we got uh, WWE going into Puerto Rico in the next couple of weeks with Backlash. So it's going to be a very busy uh, next couple of weeks. And you're going to want to be right here on the podcast. We're going to start with Bill Goldberg because that's the big story so far this week. Bill Goldberg, anything and everything is an option in regards to his wrestling future. Now, Goldberg's contract expired with WWE at the end of 2022. I threw a fucking parade because I was thrilled. I was over the moon about Bill Goldberg finally being finished with WWE. What a terrible run. What an absolutely atrocious run did Bill Goldberg have. But the news broke in March that Goldberg was finally a free agent, leading to fans speculating about what the future holds for this WWE Hall of Famer. Tony Khan even stated as such and got the rumor mill talking because that's the one thing Tony Khan is very good at. He's good at getting people talking. He says that he would keep a very close eye on the happenings surrounding Bill Goldberg. Now, Goldberg was a guest on 93.7, the ticket. I don't know where this was. I don't know who this is, but he was interviewed by 93.7, the ticket. Goldberg was asked about his future and mentioned again that he had a handshake agreement with Vince McMahon after losing to Roman Reigns, that he would have a proper retirement match. That clearly did not happen. Wow! Goldberg had a handshake agreement with Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon lied to Bill Goldberg. Wow, man, color me shocked. Color me surprised that Vince McMahon lied to Bill Goldberg. Goldberg is open to any possibility, but he's leaning towards doing his own multi-city retirement tour. He says, and I quote, I'll stop the rumor mill right now. The reasons the rumors are out there is because Vince McMahon and I had a handshake understanding that after the Roman Reigns match, that I would have a proper retirement match. And that hasn't come to fruition through them. And therefore, nobody puts a stamp on my career. So he doesn't want Vince McMahon telling him when he's done. He wants to say to everybody when he himself is done. I don't blame him on that at all. Nobody tells me when I'm done, period, end of story. When somebody tells me that, I kind of like to fight against it. I like to do my own things, my own way. I go out on my own, and I certainly don't go out under Roman Reigns three weeks after I had COVID-19 and agreed to do a match. If I go on a world tour and promote it myself, that's a possibility. Hey, I'm a businessman, and I'm unfortunately, you know, in the position I firmly believe to where I can still make it happen. At the end of the day, like I said, I do believe that my character deserves a proper send-off. Until that happens, man, I don't believe I'm hanging them up. Anything and everything is an option. I'm very much leaning towards promoting it myself and doing a four-city world tour. So let the rumor mill start up after that. 
According to PW Insider Elite, this is a paid subscription to PW Insider. Goldberg was in Los Angeles during WrestleMania 39 weekend and had a meeting with at least one international promoter about having a farewell show in Israel and possibly other countries. There has also been speculation about Goldberg possibly returning to the ring with MJF in a world championship match in AEW. Is Jesse in the chat? Is Jesse in the chat? I think I might have just given Jesse a stroke. He may, not, he may actually not be live for Ring of Honor tonight after I just said that. Goldberg versus MJF for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Now, luckily, luckily, PW Insider noted that they hadn't heard any rumors about that match being discussed. So, we don't have to worry about that right now, um, but given Tony Khan's infatuation <laughs> infatuation with Goldberg, uh, I would not be surprised to see Goldberg put over MJF and solidify his world championship reign even more so. Um, let me go back and kind of dissect what he said here. Goldberg says, at the end of the day, Like I said, I do believe that my character deserves a proper send-off. You know, it's funny that he says that, man. It's always me, 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 me. It's always greedy Bill showing up in these interviews and greedy Bill being portrayed in these stories. It's about me, me, me. I believe my character deserves a proper send-off. Oh, really? Really? What What about Bray Wyatt, Bill? I, I mean, did Bray Wyatt deserve to be buried in Saudi Arabia? How about that? He's probably still out there somewhere. His fucking bones may be scattered all over the Saudi Arabian desert. Did Bray Wyatt deserve to have a world championship run a fruitful one at that that could have been solidified by Bill Goldberg laying down for him after he just created this new universe, this new character, this new vision for himself, this new story. He just won the world championship. Was it right of you to go in there and make it about yourself and not Bray Wyatt? But here he wants to have a world tour. I believe my character deserves a proper send-off. Motherfucker! WWE gave you four added years to your WWE tenure, to your overall wrestling career, which included how many world championships? They gave you the foundation to work with all the top names in the company at that current time. They gave you an opportunity to work with the biggest name in the industry in Roman Reigns, they gave you the opportunity to have your son watch you as you proclaimed, well, all I want to be is a superhero for the kids. No bigger superhero than to your own son, but you deserve a proper send-off. I'm sorry, Bill, you got one of the greatest fortunate situations to ever happen to anybody at your career, in your career, at this stage of the game, in any career, you were so fortunate enough to even be in the position that you're in, 
And here you are acting ungrateful to everything that was given to you in the last WWE run. You made all this amount of money. They invited you to Saudi Arabia to do this and that and this and that. I I mean, or, or or am I just looking at this sideways? He believes his character deserves a proper send-off. I don't give a fuck about Bill Goldberg's proper send-off. I don't. Bill Goldberg, nobody's talking about Bill Goldberg in a way where they want to see him on television. I mean, if you're actively trying to book Bill Goldberg on television, you're a complete fucking nimrod. You're an idiot. This man doesn't belong on television. He doesn't deserve to be on television. Yet, everybody is looking at this and saying, oh, yeah, if AEW brings in Goldberg, they could use him, right? There is no wrestling promotion on the planet that should be using Bill Goldberg right. This is not Nitro. This is not WCW during the Attitude Era. And I don't want to see Goldberg in the ring at his age. The last time we saw him, he was gassed in three minutes. Do I want to see a gassed Bill Goldberg in a match with MJF or anybody for that matter? No. No, I don't. The funny thing is, the funny thing is, Goldberg wants to go on this four-city or multi-city tour, right? Goldberg will eventually, and I, and I mean this, I, I mean this, Goldberg will eventually end up in AEW because Tony Khan's a mark. We love TK, but let's be real. Tony Khan's a mark. He brought in Jeff Hardy, knowing the risks that Jeff Hardy was to any wrestling promotion. Obviously, he got burned, and he found out very soon thereafter what Jeff Hardy is capable of, and he hasn't even sniffed a return on his investment with Jeff Hardy yet. He brought Jeff Hardy in. Why? Because Tony Khan would die to have the Hardys as a tag team in his promotion. Same is, same is going to apply to Bill Goldberg. He brought in Sting. Sting is the only legend that really, and I mean really, paid off for Tony Khan. Jake Roberts had a nice solid run there. We've seen less of him. Nice pairing with Lance Archer. That didn't really go anywhere. Arn Anderson was brought in. Tully Blanchard was brought in. We got, obviously, the news of Bill Goldberg. I I, I don't really see how Tony Khan doesn't bring him in. You, you know what's going to happen. Do they need Bill Goldberg to sell out Wembley? Maybe not. But Tony Khan is going to cover all of his bases to ensure that that show is the biggest show that he's ever done. And if Goldberg is available, he will do that. The one big question that I have in regard to all this, Goldberg says that he believes his character deserves a proper send-off. I, I don't know if Bill Goldberg is smart enough to understand that normally, and I'm not even in the business. I'm not a wrestler. I, I, I do my little thing with House of Glory. I'm not in the business. I don't creatively write. I don't really go out there and interview wrestlers. I don't fucking rub elbows with these people. I, I, I just do what I do. I'm a fan-focused creative podcast. Fan-focused, TV-related creative you know, mindset as to what I talk about here. Through all the years that I've watched pro wrestling, Every single person that's ever wanted a retirement match or one big send-off, they usually come back and they take everything that they've done and applied it to the future of the business. Meaning, 
If you are a legend and you want a complete send-off and you want a retirement and you want that one last run, at the end of that run, you pick or the promoter picks somebody, whether it's the biggest name in the company or an up-and-coming star that you feel could use the rub, you get a little benefit from squashing a couple of guys and winning a couple of matches. And then that last match, theoretically, you're supposed to do the business of putting somebody else over. That's the whole mentality of somebody retiring. Now, Bill Goldberg sounds very, very greedy here. My character deserves a proper send-off. So what does that mean? Does Bill Goldberg understand the logistics of retirement? Or is he going to use this to put himself over at his age now, decrepit, broken down, old? Is he going to use this to put himself over and not give give back to the business? Is he not going to give back to anybody in a business that made him, in an industry that made him? Or is he going to use this to share what he has been given, share what he has built, take some for himself, and then put somebody else over? That's my legitimate question. Is Bill Goldberg going in this all about himself? Or is Bill Goldberg going to go into this, me, 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 greedy Bill, I want to go out on top? I'm sorry, Bill, you're not The Undertaker, you're not Shawn Michaels, you're not Stone Cold. You're Bill Goldberg, an ex-football player who somehow looked into WCW coming out of the fucking power plant, and you were nothing more than a Stone Cold Steve Austin doppelganger. Best way for me to put it. You were their version, you were their answer to Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's all it was. Oh, look at this, we got our, we got our version of Stone Cold. Now, granted, what he did was, was exciting over there, but, man, was that a short shelf life over there in WCW for that. Undefeated for how many days? When he was defeated, that was it. It was over. When Goldberg was defeated and everything was over and his undefeated streak was gone, what was Bill Goldberg? Nothing. He was nothing more than a fucking flesh in the pan. Let me squash this guy over and over and over and over and over again, have him win a world championship, Bill the Mystique, and then what happens when he loses? It's all over. There's nothing special about Bill Goldberg at all. When Goldberg lost, you saw him for what he really was. Two moves and nothing more. A bald-headed Jewish man with black trunks and two moves. That's all you saw out of Bill Goldberg. Is Bill Bill Goldberg going to do business? Is he going to do business? If Bill Goldberg wants to come on in to AEW and have some fun squashing some lower-end talent, fine. But if you're going to come on into AEW, you better best believe he better be putting over an MJF. He better be putting over a Will Hobbs. He better be putting over a Wardlow. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire 
faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm not thinking that he's going to be putting over all three. You pick and choose who the fuck you want to put over as long as you're putting somebody over. Bill Goldberg can have his retirement tour, but at the end of the day, he needs to do the right thing and give back to the fucking business that made him a household name in the era that he thrived in. That's what he needs to do. Otherwise, Bill Goldberg is going to go about this all on his own, be greedy as usual like he was in his last WWE run, said nothing about anything and did not give a shit about building the future of the company. As long as I'm getting paid and I look the best, that's all that matters to me. Is Bill Goldberg going to do business or is he going to be selfish Bill Goldberg like we know he is? That's what really everybody should be asking. And that's what Bill Goldberg should really be pondering if he wants to come back and wrestle for anybody in 2023. WWE reaches a new deal with Twitch, allowing superstars to stream once again, but it's at a cost. This is great news for everybody that was on Twitch, and it's picking up again in a big way. Fightful has learned that WWE and Twitch reached an agreement to allow WWE superstars back on Twitch with almost zero restrictions. Those that Fightful spoke to said that the revenue will be three-way split that Twitch and the talent take the vast majority of. Fightful goes on to say, and I quote, almost no restrictions was outlined to us as not permitting talent to stream with people from other companies unless it's cleared first. Talent that Fightful spoke to were very happy about the deal, clearly. Of course they'd be happy about the deal. This is something that Vince McMahon took away from everybody because Vince McMahon, like Bill Goldberg, they're uh, two peas in a pod. They are greedy businessmen that don't want to give back to anybody. You know, the pandemic really shut the entire world down for as long as it did. And people were not coming to work because they were afraid of getting sick. Uh, Everybody was afraid to come to work and you know, be compromised by what was going on. Everything around them was closed. The only sanctuary people had was in the comfort of their own home. You know, you're not on the road. House shows were closed down. Merchandise sales ceased to, to exist, and that all stopped. And they were not making any extra revenue from anything. They were making their downside guarantees, and that was it. But how much is their downside guarantee? WWE talent took it upon themselves, like everybody, you saw an absolute uptick and a boom period in people starting a Twitch and starting to stream more and starting a podcast. They wanted in on the lucrative business of being a content creator. And they made some extra money where they could not make that extra money by doing their number one, which is being a WWE superstar. 
So Vince McMahon seen some of the money that some of the talent was making. Adam Cole was making, what, fifty to $60,000 a month. Soraya was on Twitch while she was employed by WWE. She was making over $100,000 a month on Twitch. This was when Twitch was actually somewhat decent in their payouts to content creators. Now it sucks. And people are dropping like flies on Twitch because they take 50% of what you earn on Twitch. I believe it was, I think, either a 60-40 or 70-30 split. And then they went back on that, and now they're taking 50-50 from content creators. They get 50, and the content creators get 50. So superstars alike. I mean, you had Xavier Woods doing up, up, down, down. You had Shayna Baszler and Dakota Kai, Zelina Vega, Johnny Gargano. AJ Styles, a lot of these guys found solace in Twitch. And and WWE, Bruce and Vince, you know, they levied a ban on all this because they felt like WWE superstars were taking the WWE intellectual property and applying it to Twitch and building their fan base and making money off of the WWE intellectual property on their own on Twitch And WWE wasn't getting a cut of it. Now, that I can understand. But if Adam Cole wants to go on Twitch as his own name, or Asuka wants to go on YouTube and operate on her own name, or Soraya go on Twitch and utilize her own name, Soraya Knight, I didn't see what the big deal was. But WWE banned, Vince McMahon banned, Everybody from streaming on Twitch, and people were upset about it. Adam Cole was a free agent who was working a WWE deal on a handshake agreement. They invited him to meet with Vince McMahon because they didn't really want to let him go. And Adam Cole said, I want my Twitch channel. It's very important to me, and I'd love to stay here as long as I am able to do that in my off time. They told him no. They told him no. And that first show where he debuted, All Out, I was there. Adam Cole debuted, Brian Danielson debuted, Punk wrestled Darby Allin. It was a major show, probably heralded as the best AEW show that they've ever done. Adam Cole was at the post-show scrum. I was there. The one question I asked is, how important is it for you to have your Twitch family away from what you do in the ring, whether it was going to be with WWE or AEW. The, the, I'll never forget, I was standing right there in front of the stage, and I asked him, and when I asked him about his Twitch family and what he does on Twitch, which I know he loves dearly, the smile on his face, he lit up. It was like a Christmas tree lighting up. Right then and there, he didn't even need to give me an answer. He didn't even need to give me an answer. He, he, he was going to tell me how important it was to him, but I knew by his facial expressions how important it was to him in regards to where he was going to spend the rest of his career or at least for the next five years. It's important to these people. It was important to them then, and it's important to them now. It's a great way to get those fans a little bit closer where they aren't really able to, to their favorite WWE superstar. I think it's a great move. I I really do. Vince took a lot away from that talent, which I don't think he realized how bad it was for for that talent. And, you know, Vince McMahon... Is 77 years old. Bruce Pritchard's in his 60s. You know, these old guys, they, they don't really know 
how important that is. They really aren't hip with the times. They really aren't current with what's going on right now. So to them, it's like, oh, well, WWE ain't making no money off that. Fuck them. That's all they thought of. They didn't really think of anybody's enjoyment and mental health and in a fucking pandemic where the world was shutting down, how somebody is supposed to bide their time. Nobody knew then how long it was going to take for WWE to get back on television in a full capacity. So you took something away from them that they tried to really make into something and share happiness in a down period, in a dark time with everybody. You took that away from them. I didn't like that at all. Talent, obviously, is very happy about this deal being struck with Twitch. Now, the agreement will allow WWE stars to resume streaming on the platform. According according to Brian Alvarez, the portion of the revenue cut WWE will receive will come from the Twitch side. It is confirmed through talent that WWE's Twitch cut is from the Twitch side, not the talent side. He wrote on Twitter, Andrew Zarian reported that the talent would get a larger cut than some other streamers who use the platform. Spoke to a source regarding the Twitch deal with WWE. According to them, WWE execs negotiated for talent to get a larger cut than other creators on the platform. This was described to me as a friendly, very friendly talent deal. So, I mean, what that means is Twitch is 50-50 right now. So, it's more than 50% that the talent's getting. Are they getting 60%? Are they getting 70%? Nobody knows. But it's definitely more than the 50-50 current split from Twitch right now if you're a regular content creator. Now, if it's 60, talent's getting the full 60. And WWE and Twitch are going to split the 40. It's probably going to be Twitch 20% and then WWE 20% on the back end. If it's 70, do the math. Talent's going to get 70 and then... The WWE and Twitch are going to split the 30%, 15-15, right down the middle. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. Now, I don't know what makes WWE streamers and talent better than everybody else on the platform, but if you want to stream on Twitch if you're a WWE superstar, there you go, man. The door is now wide open for you to do that. I love it. This is an excellent move, man. A happy locker room is a locker room that is going to perform better at the end of the day. Want to be there and give their best. Make sure that locker room is happy. That's the most important thing right now in any promotion. Make sure that locker room is happy and harmonious. I love it. Reports of bubbling paranoia. We go from one positive to a negative. Reports of bubbling paranoia within WWE over looming roster cuts. Now, this is something that you see more and more in the news, in the dirt sheets, and it is going to end up being a trail of breadcrumbs that lead to a big, 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 big story when all is said and done. It's not going to end pretty. It's not. Triple H took over in creative July 2022. Everybody was thrilled. I was thrilled. The entire community was thrilled. And he started slowly but surely rehiring talent. You guys know who they are. Hit Row, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Mia Yim, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai. He brought up Io Shirai from NXT, Dexter Loomis. The list goes on and on. He rehired many former stars that the past administration fired. Now, if you guys need an update on to why these men and women were fired from the last administration, 
is because Triple H and what he did in NXT was looked down upon for not getting the job done against AEW. Vince and Bruce and John Laurinaitis with Nick Khan walked into the Performance Center one day and were scouting what was going to change, what needed to change, and then they made those cuts soon thereafter. Uh, and I'll never forget watching that first episode of NXT. They, they branded it NXT 2.0. It was completely dog shit. Everything about it was fucking miserable. They blew up the entire brand. Triple H was no longer in charge. The show was being run by John Laurinaitis and Bruce Prichard. And that was the end of the story. They didn't give a shit about anything that happened down there at all. So then when Vince McMahon needed to retire, Shawn Michaels took over NXT. It is still you know, somewhat very similar to what it was back on that miserable night where we had to watch the debut episode. But it's gotten a little bit better. There's, you know, more talent down there now that fit the NXT black and gold mold than there was before under Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. So a lot of these men and women were fired because of their association, their affiliation to Paul Levesque. That's what it boils down to. They didn't get the job done. You were a part of the old administration that failed us. Goodbye. And then obviously you could throw in some other uh, reasons why they were fired. Your Ty Valkyrie was fired because of ageism. Dexter Loomis was let go. He's nearing 40. You know, Bronson Reed was let go for whatever reason. He was a Triple H huge pet project. As you see right now on the main roster, he's back to being a Triple H pet project. Uh, they let him go for whatever reason. He was uh, a shining star on NXT. Why'd they let him go? He didn't fit the mold of what Vince McMahon looks at when he looks at a WWE superstar. They branded him as large. Fat. If you want me to use a more derogatory term, they thought Bronson Reed was fat. Oh, he don't look like what we need. Get rid of him. Meanwhile, he was North American champion. He was put over big. He was doing his thing. He goes to... New Japan, he pins Okada, he's fucking making a name for himself, he's back in WWE, and guys like this, guys like Bronson Reed are now having this bubbling paranoia because they're back in the WWE and things seemingly don't look as bright anymore. With reports of Vince McMahon being back and wearing the headset all WrestleMania weekend, wearing the headset on the Raw after Mania, his presence is felt even though it's not there backstage, legitimately in person. You know, Vince McMahon, all he needed to do was poke his fucking nose into Triple H's business, and now people can't get the fucking stench of Vince McMahon out of the locker room every single Monday. It's always the top story. Is Vince there? Vince McMahon is not backstage tonight. That doesn't mean jack shit to me. Vince McMahon could still be there on a mobile device in Triple H's face. This is what you need to do, pal. You know, it's not... It's not because, oh, tri Triple H is in charge because Vince McMahon is not there. doesn't matter. Vince McMahon could be sitting in his fucking Titan Tower office underneath his dinosaur head and still be running the show and telling Triple H what to do. Now, is it going to be blatant? No. Have I gotten a sense of Vince McMahon being completely in charge the last couple of shows? No, I have not. They felt more like Triple H shows than they have Vince McMahon shows. And the WWE draft is coming up. So things aren't really going to be storyline focused here because they're going to blow up the rosters. But you can't tell me that Vince is not in charge. He absolutely is in charge and he's back. No matter what you want to think, he's back in some way, shape or form. And I believe him. I'm running creative at a higher level 
I'm not in the weeds. He may not be in the weeds. But if you think that Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes isn't being booked by Vince McMahon, you're a complete idiot. Everything about that storyline reeks of Vince McMahon. The verbiage by Cody Rhodes, the simplicity of the storyline, and the fact that we got no explanation for anything while the match is taking place in two weeks reeks of Vince McMahon. It just does. I don't need sources. I don't need SAP. I don't need Mike Johnson. I don't need Meltzer. All you need to do is have the eyes that I've had on the show for the last 30 years to know what a Vince McMahon show is and what a Triple H show is. Some things reek of Vince McMahon. Most things are Triple H. But those things that reek of Vince McMahon, they are very blatant compared to what Triple H is doing on these shows. Many of these returns that Triple H has brought back have yet to find footing on the main roster. And that's, that's true. But I'm going to throw this out there for you guys. A lot of these talent, Karrion Cross, right? Guys like that. They might not have found their footing yet, but Triple H really wants to kind of start fresh. He wants a fresh slate. Now, I'm not making excuses for Paul Levesque. I'm not making excuses as to why these talents or some of these talents aren't being pushed the way that you feel that they should be pushed. But if I could take a a logical stab at this, Triple H inherited in July a lot of Vince McMahon bullshit. He he inherited a lot of Vince McMahon problem. And a lot of that Vince McMahon problem he had to work through and was forced to work through and could not change it. He changed what he could change. Some words being used on television that weren't being used in the past administration, changing some pay-per-views, eliminating some pay-per-views, whether it's, you know, Hell in a Cell, TLC, he brought War Games back. He wanted more focus on the future instead of bringing in legends for the Royal Rumble, especially the Women's Royal Rumble. He wanted to focus on stories. He made pay-per-views premium live events by building them with a takeover-like feel, what he did in NXT with all the NXT takeovers. There have been changes, positive changes. But some of the talent that Triple H has brought in haven't really struck a nerve with with the fan base on the roster yet. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with Vince McMahon and the previous stink. Triple H really wanted to wash all that away, and he's actually going to do that with the WWE draft coming up on April 28th. Triple H is going to have, and I hope this is the case, I don't really trust them. I hope it is. Believe me. I don't want Vince McMahon's hands anywhere near this fucking thing. But Triple H is supposedly going to have a, a large hand in choosing where the roster goes and how the rosters look. Now, Vince McMahon will obviously have a say in what's going on. I mean, if you don't think Vince McMahon's going to have a hand in the draft, I mean, I think you may be as dumb as I think you are. But Triple H, largely in charge of the draft, this is his opportunity to get everywhere, everyone where they need to be and put the pieces to his puzzle where he wants. So guys like Johnny Gargano and Bronson Reed and Dexter Loomis and Karrion Cross, they may end up in a better situation instead of coming into an already established Vince McMahon roster. Hey, I'm bringing you back, but you're going to have to wait a little bit for me to get traction to do what I need to do. Again, taking a stab at that in the dark. I don't want to, you know, boast up Triple H or anything like that, but it really is a talking point that I think a lot of people really need to come to grips with. 
Why didn't Triple H do this, 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 this? Is It's because he, he inherited a, a, a Vince McMahon roster. There's not much he could do. We're lucky we got what we got under Triple H. Nick Khan previously mentioned that WWE would be going hard on roster cuts following the merger, though that was mostly in reference to office staff. But the talent in the company is also getting concerned. Now, I don't know why anybody would take what Nick Khan says and then think that it's legitimately the way it's going to be. He says it's going to be mostly office staff. But Nick Khan has lied every single time he's had an interview with anybody in regards to Vince McMahon. The man is a habitual liar. Why would you trust anything this man says? I don't know why. He's lied about Vince McMahon. He's lied about this, 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 this. He's lied about the fucking, the the the, the stock and the, the board of directors and this and that. I mean, he's lied about everything. He's lied about everything. I mean, he was a part of those roster meetings that Triple H had to lead to basically tell the roster that Vince McMahon wasn't back. Meanwhile, he's wearing a headset. I mean, the same fucking night. He's wearing a headset in Gorilla. He's not in charge, but he's there in Gorilla. What the fuck is he wearing a headset for? You don't think Vince McMahon's in charge of the fucking show? What, what am I looking at, Mirage? A ghost? Who is it? You think the mustache is, is a disguise? Is that Vince? Because he's got a silly mustache? He's lied. Everywhere, he's lied. Could be office staff, but why would the talent trust Nick Khan? I don't know. Per PW Insider Elite, there has been reports that there is a bubbling paranoia amongst talent in the past few weeks. I don't know why. Vince McMahon was on the headset running WrestleMania Night 2, probably WrestleMania Night 1 as well. He was running Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. I mean, bubbling paranoia, I mean, that's putting it lightly over the last few weeks. Mainly talents that Triple H brought back to the company last year who aren't currently in any major storylines or getting major pushes. The talent is fearful that since Vince has returned, they are being relegated to the undercard and could be some sort of problem because they are going to be looked at as being, when the roster cuts come, they're going to be the first out if and when there is time for budget cuts. Sources in WWE Creative told PW Insider that there has been no such edicts, but that hasn't stopped the talent from being concerned because we cannot trust the company. Why would you trust them? They've lied to you everywhere that they've been. If there's a higher up being interviewed, they've lied to you. There's a, a higher up holding a talent meeting They've lied to you. And Triple H has been forced to lie because he's nothing more than a fucking chief content officer in title only. He's going to be the fall guy for when things go wrong. The old feeling of talents walking on eggshells has slowly picked back up since McMahon is back in the fold. With WWE CEO Nick Khan stating that the company would be looking to lean itself out As the transition occurs, speculating looking to cut about $50 million, one former WWE star has thoughts on potential impact. 
Ariel Hawani. Ariel Hawani interviewed John Morrison. And he said this, and I, I, could, I, I couldn't believe, I, I'm like, thank God I found this, this quote for the show. He says, and I quote, does John Morrison, former WWE superstar. I think there's a hiring freeze right now. And it's not really labeled as such officially, but WWE hasn't brought in anybody. I mean, they had Jay White. Chris Jericho said they had Jay White delivered to them on a silver platter, and they denied Jay White. I'm not bringing him in. He ends up going to AEW. I think there's a hiring freeze right now, says John Morrison. I think they're going to end up letting a bunch of guys go. This is a former star that worked there for many years saying this. I think salaries are going to get cut. I'm really glad AEW is around to balance that out a little bit because if they weren't, there would be no leverage and nowhere else to go. And WWE with UFC would be this weird monopoly that just wrings the money out of the livelihood of fighters and wrestlers. And I always think that sucks. Now, Morrison's been working, uh, obviously doing his own thing. He has some working knowledge of the benefits of the AEW roster. He made a couple of appearances there, not only making an appearance with AEW, but his wife is also now signed with the company and made her debut about a month ago. So this is coming from John Morrison, who was knee-deep in all that and was a part of the roster cuts during the pandemic. He was actually let go by the company, which I thought was ridiculous. Because a guy like John Morrison, with the talent that that man possesses, you let him go? I didn't really understand that then. There will be cuts. Nick Khan saying that it's mostly going to be focused on office cuts. There will be office cuts, but if you believe that it's just going to be office cuts, no way, man. There's going to be talent cuts as well. Because that's where the bulk of the revenue is coming from. That's where the bulk of the overhead's coming from. The talent, what you're paying the talent. This talent's making a lot of money, man. And they're probably over at Endeavor looking at these, these payrolls. And I'm like, they're probably fucking googly-eyed. They, they got their eyebrows raised. Oh, we got to cut this, 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 this. We can't be paying these contracts anymore. WWE's not going to be handing out their current type contracts once this sale goes through at the end of the year, man. They're going to be paying these guys a lot less. Now, not everybody's going to end up going to Tony Khan. Tony Khan's not going to be able to buy everybody uh, uh, you know, out and give them a fucking home. But this could end up working out well for AEW. Especially if they do have that roster split, you know? Warner Brothers Discovery is said to be very interested in WWE programming. James Andrew Miller... This is an author, a reporter, and a podcast host. James Andrew Miller was interviewed by the Sports Illustrated Media. Miller also previously worked for the Washington Post and was executive vice president of the original programming for USA Network. Miller talked about attending WrestleMania for the first time and noted that he's heard of interest in WWE programming from the people over at Warner Brothers Discovery. He says, and I quote, I think so. Miller said on Warner Brothers Discovery's interest in WWE, I wouldn't be surprised, despite the fact that money is such an issue for them right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Warner Brothers Discovery wouldn't like a slice of that WWE pie. 
He then speculated that Warner Brothers Discovery could move Raw off of Monday nights to avoid competing with other sports. So Sports Illustrated pointed out that Warner Brothers Discovery already has AEW programming and asked if Warner Brothers Discovery would want to add WWE to their existing AEW programming or if WWE would replace AEW. Miller says, I don't know, but I know there are people at Warner Brothers who are interested in WWE. Now, both WWE and AEW will start negotiations in the next few months for a new TV deal. By all accounts, Warner Brothers obviously seems happy with AEW. And there are multiple reports that AEW is being granted another two hours of live television from Warner Brothers on Saturday night with a rumored show called Collision. Now, there's no indication that Warner Brothers and WWE have had any talks whatsoever. And this is nothing more than speculation. Do I think WWE is going to end up on Warner Brothers Discovery? No, I don't. I, I, I don't think that I don't think that Nick Khan is looking at Warner Brothers Discovery. I, I don't see that as a viable option. Apparently, it was reported in this report that they have a money problem right now. So whatever you know, money problems they have, WWE is not going to really uh, make that a lot better for them because WWE is going to seek to get an even larger deal with whoever they end up with next, whether it's NBC Universal, whether it's ESPN, or something along those lines. Fox, we don't know if WWE is going to remain on NBC or Fox. They may want Raw and SmackDown on the same on the same network, under the same umbrella. I don't know. Could this be beneficial for AEW and WWE to be on the same network? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe some cross-promotion. Not really some cross-promotion as far as talent appearing on you know either show. I mean, we're not going to see AEW stars on WWE shows and vice versa. That's never going to happen. But I'm talking about cross-promotion, meaning you know commercials during Raw or, or segments during the actual Raw or, or SmackDown programming, you know, hyping up that Dynamite's going to be live on Wednesday night or Collision's going to be live on Saturday night and then vice versa. With AEW doing the same thing for WWE programming. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what comes along with something like this and a deal like this. Will there be cross-promotion there? Will Tony Khan be okay with that? Tony Khan may be slighted if Warner Brothers is seeking WWE programming. Meanwhile, you know, they've appeared to be all-in legitimately on AEW programming. I, I, I don't know. But... This is nothing more than hearsay right now. This is James Andrew Miller basically throwing it out to Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I've heard that there, there is interest in WWE programming from Warner Brothers Discovery. That doesn't really mean much of anything. I mean, I have an interest in going out to the bar later and having a cold beer. That doesn't mean I'm actually going to go and I may opt to sit on my fucking couch and watch the Love is Blind reunion with a nice cold beverage here in my home. I could say whatever the fuck I want. They could say whatever the fuck they want. Oh, I have interest in it. Yeah, sure. It's great. Who, who doesn't? Everybody's got interest in adding WW programming. It's fresh television weekly for 52 weeks a year. No reruns. Anybody would be interested in that. That would be appealing to anybody. Who gives a shit? This is nothing more than a rumor getting started by somebody that's heard what's going on. Monday Night Raw would be very, very weird on a Tuesday. I mean, that show's been on Monday since 1993. Now we're going to take Monday Night Raw off of its normal night and put it on Tuesday? 
I don't think that's the right move to make, man. There's a lot of legacy there. So again, it's nothing more than it's nothing more than a rumor right now from James Andrew Miller, who is a former executive vice president of original programming for the USA Network and has worked for the Washington Post. Nothing more than a rumor right now. Obviously, it's a story we'll follow, but the more we get into the year, you're going to start hearing about their negotiation deals for TV rights and where they may end up uh, later this year. So it's something that we'll definitely keep an eye out on. WWE SummerSlam sets a non-U.S. WrestleMania or a U.S. non-WrestleMania record. WWE will be holding this year's SummerSlam premium live event on August 5th at Detroit's Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. WWE has already sold 32,000 tickets for the show with four months until it takes place after tickets went on sale last week. A report by the business uh, Sports Business Journal noted that SummerSlam marked the largest day one sale for any WWE event in history that was held at a stadium excluding WrestleMania. Now, while speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer clarified that this is only true about stadium events that were held in the United States as WWE did bigger numbers with the 1992 edition of SummerSlam and last year's Clash at the Castle in Cardiff, Wales. 32,000 is not a U.S. record. It's a U.S. non-WrestleMania record. There are WrestleMania shows that have beaten that number. None of the Royal Rumbles or SummerSlam in the United States have ever beaten that number. It's actually the third biggest first day sale. It's kind of weird and weird term now because the first day of sales is actually the third day of sales. But after the quote, first day of sales, it was the biggest for any non-WrestleMania WWE show with the exception of Clash of the Castle and the Wembley Stadium show in 1992. So actually two shows in the UK. So it's a great number, Melter stated. Great. The WWE, I mean, this is nothing new. You guys know this. The WWE interest from last summer to where we are now is a lot greater than it was in the last 10 years. And I don't have any factual uh, analytics here. I don't have any numbers in front of me. But WWE right now, by all accounts, every single time I read a report, the, the highest grossing revenue for SmackDown in that market, and it's happening in every market that you see, House shows are nearing nine, ten thousand people nightly for when they go to these shows on the road. WrestleMania sold out. I mean, two nights. If you are a fan of a one night WrestleMania, you are never going to see a one night WrestleMania ever again. WWE would never give up on a two night WrestleMania with the amount of money and number that they're pulling in for especially what they did this year's WrestleMania, you're never going to see one-night WrestleMania again. And WWE, man, they're on fire with, with the revenue that they're bringing in from the house shows and the premium live events and their, and their big, big, big events going overseas, Puerto Rico in, in, in May for Backlash. Uh, they're going overseas for the Money in the Bank show, O2 Arena in London. Uh, the Clash of the Castle was nearly 70,000 people, man. WWE is red hot right now. Now, a lot of that had to do with what was going on television with the bloodline. And there are things on television right now that would really drive a lot of people to SummerSlam. 
And it's amazing to me, man. I want, I want to point this out. You know, a lot of people, how many fucking people were, were upset about Cody losing at, at WrestleMania to Roman Reigns? You, you would think if you saw that ending and, and what you saw on social media, the, the absolute meltdown that there was on social media. You, you would think that nobody would watch the product ever again because they didn't get their way at the end of WrestleMania on night two. It, it's amazing to me how you can you consistently see these numbers, man. Markets here, markets there. Biggest ever for WWE. Premium live events. Backlash, sold out. SummerSlam's gonna be on its way to a near sellout. Money in the Bank, sold out. And everything else in between is going to be a sellout. They're doing bigger numbers. The ratings are up more so than the last 10 years while Vince McMahon was in charge. Triple H and his vision has a lot to do with that. A lot to do with that. But you would think coming out of WrestleMania where Cody Rhodes lost that people would give up on the product. Fuck this shit. Nothing's really changed. They believe in the process. The fact that these numbers are still rising and WWE is generating bigger revenue now. The process... By the fans' account, they trust it. They trust where it's going. They trust in WWE to do the right thing. And WWE is going to have to eventually deliver on that. Cody Rhodes is the guy. And they're going to see this through. That's the way I interpret it. Because how many people in a Vince McMahon era would have been turned off by something like that? I don't know. So they are trusting the process here with WWE and where the journey is going to end up taking them. I love it. So congratulations to WWE there, man. I'm excited. The more that there is interest in, in events like this, the more that content creators like me are going to thrive as well. I love it. Don't have a problem with that whatsoever. WWE and ESPN are in talks about working together on new projects. This could be a glimpse into where WWE ends up during their TV rights negotiations. Now, WWE did work with ESPN during the COVID-19 pandemic, if you guys remember. ESPN licensed old WrestleMania events to fill airtime because there wasn't any live sports programming that they had access to. So they bought WWE licenses to fill, to uh, air old WrestleMania events to fill time on their network. They most recently sent Daniel Cormier to do interviews over WrestleMania 39 weekend. Now, PW Insider Elite reports that there have been renewed discussions between WWE and ESPN about a working relationship. The report also notes that as of late, another promotion has been in talks with ESPN now, while PW Insider did not confirm which company company it is, they did state that it was not AEW. But with WWE stepping into the fold, the continuation of those talks could be at risk as WWE is the industry leader and king of the major cable networks as far as pro wrestling is concerned. The feeling with WWE's rights fees coming up, as well as Endeavor's acquisition of the company pending, they will lean towards getting the WWE brand and programming in as many potential places as possible and are welcoming all conversations unless someone were to pay a rich premium bonus for exclusivity. If Endeavor is looking to entrench WWE in as many places as they can, they would obviously prevent other groups from getting deals in those places. I could see WWE working with ESPN anyway, no matter what, is going on 
uh, with the Endeavor deal because that's where Endeavor calls home. Now, we don't know if ESPN, is, I think their deal is up in 2025, I believe, is what Nick Khan said, UFC and and, and uh, ESPN. I, I don't really have, it's either 2024 or 2025, but we will see WWE on ESPN just based on the likelihood of UFC remaining with ESPN. So, I don't mind it. The more WWE is, as far as networks are concerned, I mean, I don't care. I mean, unless it's like a blowaway documentary, I don't know if they're going to be giving us new programming. I mean, how many documentaries do, do we really need to be subjected to? I mean, A&E's got their documentaries. It's always the same shit over and over again. How many different fucking sides of the story can you hear from different places? If WWE is going to give content to ESPN and ESPN wants WWE content, I don't think it's really going to be anything blow away. But on WWE's end, the more WWE is on those major networks, the more eyes on the product, the more in the know the fans are, and the more revenue that they're taking in. It's a good deal for them. I just don't really give a shit as far as uh, my fandom of the product. I don't give a shit what they put on there. I just care about Monday and Friday night. Backstage news on Ronda Rousey's injury status. Hopefully she stays out. I don't think she has any value to the show at all. WWE had to make big changes to its original plans for Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler at WrestleMania 39 after Rousey was sidelined with an arm injury. They were slated to win the WWE Women's Tag Team titles at the show. Instead, they worked the four-way tag team match at WrestleMania with Ronda Rousey being protected and limited in the match. Last week on Raw, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. <laughs> Raquel Rodriguez Gonzalez. You guys know Rodriguez. Liv Morgan won the tag team titles by beating Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch, which led to Stratus turning heel on Becky Lynch at the end of the match. Friday SmackDown, we saw a celebration of sorts between Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, which led to Sony Deville and Chelsea Green coming out setting up their feud next for the tag team titles. Boring. After taking some insults, the champions attacked the challengers, leading to a brawl. While speaking on the Wrestling Observer Live, Melter noted that Rousey is still dealing with an injury and has yet to be medically cleared. Well, you know, the deal is, Ronda is still not cleared, so they can't do the Ronda and Shayna thing, which was the plan all along, Melter stated. I'm sorry. Now, clearly, we all know that Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez are transitional champions, if you've ever, you ever seen them. So when Ronda and Shayna are back and are cleared, uh, whenever that match is made, you know exactly where they are going with those tag team titles. Now, I thought some weirdness in this entire situation was teaming Becky with Lita, and I felt like they were going to get Ronda and Becky in the ring together via this pairing with Lita and Ronda's pairing with Shayna. I, I thought they were leading towards maybe that because nobody wants to see a one-on-one match between Ronda and Becky anymore. I mean, that's that ship has fucking long sail. It's not even in the fucking distance anymore. It's completely gone. It may be sunken at the bottom of the ocean as far as I'm concerned. Um, nobody cared about that. Nobody wanted that. There's no interest there. I thought WWE was actually going to try and weasel their, uh, their match that we should have got at WrestleMania 35 into some weird tag team formula. Thank God that's not happening. I don't really care for that at all. And there's no heat there whatsoever. Ronda's been a detriment to the women's division completely. Though she's had some 
great feelings about how the lack of women's creative and a lack of women's direction is missing from WWE television. That much I can agree with her on. But transitional champions for the tag team titles, a waste of time. As soon as they get back, they're winning those tag team titles. And the tag team titles, man, you know, even if they do win it, what, what, what does it matter? The tag team titles are a waste. Corey Graves even shit on the tag team titles and said that they really never caught fire. It's always, hey, let's put the titles on one team and then nothing more than a, a myriad and a mixed bag of tag teams that aren't really legitimate tag teams challenging for the title. I think Natalia has teamed with like six different women as a tag team. This is Raquel Rodriguez's second title with two different partners. I mean, that's ridiculous. I would burn the fucking titles. I, I said this on Monday. I ranted about this on Monday. I honestly feel like if WWE got rid of the tag team titles in light of what's going on, get rid of it. Who gives a shit? Get rid of it, burn them, and create a women's intercontinental championship. I think that would be a lot better. You have no tag teams. Zero tag teams. The only legitimate tag team that this company has ever had And you could mention them if you want. I don't really give a shit. The Iconics, maybe. Sasha and Bayley, knowing their history and their relationship. And the only tag team currently, the only tag team that WWE has currently that is a legit tag team is Caden Carter and Casey Cotanzaro on NXT. Or Katana Chance, now they're calling her, on NXT. That is the only legitimate tag team that they have in the WWE. Get rid of them. There is no need for women's tag team titles. You you just have it because you're afraid to make changes because of the narrative that you pushed, and now you're afraid that you may get pushback on if you do the right thing. The right thing is to get rid of them, to replace it with something that could actually help the division. This is not helping the division in any way. Speaking of injuries, Big E. When are we getting Big E back? I don't know. WWE has an update as far as Big E and his broken neck after a one-year scan. It's been a little over a year since Big E suffered a neck injury on the March 11th episode of SmackDown in 2022 when he took an overhead belly-to-belly suplex from Ridge Holland at ringside on the outside. He landed on his neck and fractured his C1 and C6 vertebrae. Now, Big E has been waiting since then for the important one-year scan on his neck to see how it is recovered and would make a decision regarding his wrestling future after getting the results. While speaking on this issue, Big E shared an update on his neck, and I quote, Yeah, it's a complicated fracture. I broke my C1 and C2 in places. A Jefferson fracture is what it's called. It just takes a little bit more time to heal. We just did the one-year scans after WrestleMania. It was a little later because of WrestleMania. We need to sit down with the doctors at some point and figure out what the next step is. From my perspective, I feel great, though. I have no functional issues, no pain issues. I've been in the gym since two weeks after I broke my neck. I'm feeling great. I'm really grateful for all that. Obviously, your neck has to be in a certain condition to deal with the rigors of being in the ring on a nightly basis, end quote. I miss Biggie. I, I think Biggie is a bright spot on WWE television. 
I, I wish I had half of the positivity. You know, they talk about the positive, the power of positivity. I wish I had half of that fucking positivity uh, for myself because, I mean, I don't know who would be going through what he's going through and how they could be so positive, man. It's, it's, you're, you're, you're positive after what happened here, the way that he is, man. It's, it's a blessing. It really is. It's a beautiful thing to see. I don't know when he's going to come back. I, I can't imagine it will be even this year. I, I don't think that he will be rushed back to television. I do feel that when he does, I do feel like he will be back. When he does get back, I think the most scariest part in all this is getting in that ring after being away for so long and then taking that first bump. It's going to be like doing it all over again from day one. So it's going to be like starting all over again. How is he going to feel? What is his mental state going into that? Taking a bump again after breaking your neck, almost losing his life, never mind fucking ending his career. But getting in there after all this time away, knowing the injury that you just recovered from, one of the, the worst injury, and then getting back in there and doing what you do on a nightly basis. I wonder if he changes up his style. I wonder if he changes up how he approaches things. I mean, that's the, that, that's the most interesting part of all this. How is he going to handle what comes next? He's gotten through, you know, all of the of the, the the difficult parts here. But I do think the most difficult part is coming up, honestly. So we'll see what happens with Biggie. I don't even think he's going to be back this year, to be honest with you. There was rumors there were rumors going around that WWE may feature him in some way, shape, or form at WrestleMania. I don't think he's even going to be back this year. Honestly, I for 2024, if he's if he's ready to go and gets clearance. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania next year, make that a target point. I don't know what the time frame is for an injury like this, but it's not going to be something that he's going to come back from and he's going to be the same guy that you remember him. He's going to be a completely different man. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch's WWE contract apparently is up next year in 2024. So Becky Lynch on Monday tweeted out that she wouldn't be at the April 17th WWE Raw. And... Everybody kind of freaked out. She ended up blacking out her Twitter, just like Drew McIntyre did. She changed her name, which I'll get to in a second. I think she changed her name from Becky Lynch to Rebecca Quinn or something like that. Becky Lynch said she wouldn't be on Monday Night Raw. Everybody freaked out. Then there was a report from Fightful that Becky Lynch has a contract coming up in 2024. Obviously, she's one of the biggest stars in the women's division. And Fightful inquired about what's going on with Becky Lynch. WWE said to Fightful that she was originally scheduled to be at Raw as of last Monday, but WWE sources had indicated that there are no issues to their knowledge between Becky Lynch and WWE. She's been dealing with a minor foot injury, which has been exacerbated recently. She wrestled with a foot injury uh, in that tag team match where she lost the tag team titles to Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. Becky Lynch then dropped her verification badge by changing her name on Twitter to Rebecca Quinn. Many inquiries were made to Fightful about her current status within WWE. Fightful returned that Lynch signed a brand new deal upon returning to the company in 2021, and her time off for maternity leave is not a factor. Lynch signed a three-year deal that expires in June of 2024. So far, WWE sources tell Fightful that the two have not entered negotiations for a new deal. There are several deals that are up in 2024, as WWE had signed much of the roster to four-year contracts at that same time. 
WWE was signing and extending talent way before their expiration. Uh, you're going to be seeing, seeing and hearing a lot of this, man. WWE, you know, if you want WWE to go out there and, and sit down with, with Drew McIntyre and Becky Lynch and whoever else is a free agent, I believe the Street Profits are free agents next year as well. You know, if you want WWE to sit down with these soon-to-be free agents, they're not going to be making the same money that they're making on their current deals. WWE was at liberty to pay out whatever they wanted. They were making a whole lot of money. They could pay out whoever they want. Now, with a looming sale that is not completed yet, it will be completed in six months by the end of the year, WWE is not at liberty to pay out anything that they feel these roster members are worth anymore. They have bosses now. 51% of the company is owned by Endeavor. Ari Emanuel is going to be the one to make the final decision on what is being paid to who. And if anything that we've seen between the relationship between Endeavor and UFC and the way that their fighters are being paid and what I'm hearing from different people on how their fighters are paid, I don't see WWE uh, being very happy about what the roster over on WWE side is going to end up making. Becky Lynch could be making $2 million a year. She ain't going to be seeing that. She ain't going to be seen anywhere close to that. It's going to be a very interesting situation. Very interesting situation. This deal with Endeavor is going to do more harm than good. There's, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people by the end of this deal, this merger being completed. But Becky Lynch, I don't feel Becky Lynch is going anywhere. Where's Becky Lynch going to go? Unless she wants to go follow Sasha Banks, Mercedes, and do what Mercedes is doing in Japan. It depends on how Becky Lynch is feeling. I don't see Becky Lynch going anywhere. She's not going anywhere now. This blackout on, on Twitter doesn't really mean much of anything. I mean, she's just playing up the fact that Trish Stratus, her childhood idol, turns her back on her. That's all that is. And she said, hey, Drew McIntyre's having fun with it. Let me have some fun with it. McIntyre ain't going anywhere right now. Becky Lynch ain't going anywhere right now. They are working you. You fell for the work. That's all it is. Everybody was like, how do you know? How do you know? I know, bitch. I know. Becky Lynch ain't going anywhere. There's no reason for her to go anywhere. WWE recently had a lots of positive reception about a match that happened on Raw backstage. This is in regards to Becky Lynch's husband, Seth Rollins. There were a lot of fans online praising the match that Rollins and The Miz had on Monday Night Raw. Many wrestlers backstage at the show shared the belief about the match that it was great. Fightful reported that there were a lot of positive receptions for the match backstage. The report added that uh, the previous rumor that was going around about... Rollins having issues with WWE. This was coming from the WRKD Wrestling account on Twitter. Uh, they reported that Rollins and WWE have no issues. Although Miz came up losing in the match, he did take to Twitter to demand that fans put some respect on his name. He also referred to himself as Monday Night Miz. Let's not, let's not forget that Miz was treated as a jobber for most of Triple H's run, leading creative, a jobber. He lost to Russell, He lost at WrestleMania to Snoop Dogg, 
and he lost to Pat McAfee, and he got beat up by George Kittle on the outside. He's a jobber, and he was treated as a jobber. He had a great match with Seth Rollins. It's almost as if nobody remembers what happened back in 2018. Nobody remembers what happened back in 2016. You feature The Miz. It's all about perception, okay? It's it's all about perception when it comes to this type of thing. I don't want to start hearing from Miz. I'm Monday Night Miz. I don't need to hear positive reactions to, to the backstage report that everybody loved the match. If you present The Miz as a jobber and a loser, the fans will think of him as a jobber and a loser. Do I know The Miz is better than what we've gotten on TV? Absolutely. If you send The Miz out there to cut a promo legitimately as a top-tier heel, he's going to cut a great promo. He's always been a great promo. If you let him go out there and wrestle, The Miz is going to go out there and wrestle. There is no one in this community that has praised the 2016 run of SmackDown more than me right here. That was a glorious era of SmackDown. Do you know who was embroiled in one of the best stories coming out of that era of SmackDown in 2016 with the Intercontinental Championship as he put the title on the line against Dolph Ziggler and his career? The Miz. They had one banger of a ladder match. The Miz was a great addition to that roster. Fantastic. You wouldn't think that by watching The Miz now in 2023 and the jobber that he's that he's been on WWE TV for the last two or three years. Then you fast forward to 2018. Nobody seems to remember the match that he had with Rollins when Rollins was the Intercontinental Championship. It was right after WrestleMania that year. A banger of a match. I think The Miz had a match with Jeff Hardy that same month on Monday Night Raw. The Miz can work. The Miz can go. But it's all about perception. You tell me and show me he's a loser... The fans are going to think he's a loser. You want The Miz to be percepted or perceived as a top-tier guy who can actually go in the ring? Then the fans are going to think that. It's all about what you present on TV. So I don't really understand why everybody's so shocked that The Miz and Rollins had a great match. This is nothing out of the ordinary. The only thing that's bizarre is how you treated the fucking guy for the last three years and people think he's a loser. I don't, wa- I don't know why that's so difficult to grasp. And Rollins is doing the best work of his entire fucking career right now in the ring. He deserves a lot of praise just based on what he's done. Is he being given top priority? No. We'll find out where his priority is when the draft is over. But someone like that who's pumping out matches like that with The Miz... Maybe we should start thinking about taking those titles off Roman Reigns a little bit sooner than later. NXT star is being considered for main roster move during the WWE draft. Historically, NXT call-ups were fun and exciting. Usually you'd see them after WrestleMania, on the Raw after WrestleMania. Uh, That didn't happen. This year, as Vince McMahon gave us one of the worst rated shows ever. And there are plenty of names that you could choose from as getting called up to the main roster. Braun Breaker, Roxanne Perez, Tiffany Stratton, Zoe Stark, 
Grayson Waller, Cameron Grimes. There are a ton of people on NXT that could get called up to the main roster. One of those names right now being considered is Tyler Bate. I think this is great. Tyler Bate getting called up to the main roster. One of those names being considered for a main roster call-up from NXT is Tyler Bate. After joining WWE in 2016, he was assigned to the NXT UK brand, where he was the winner of the United Kingdom Championship Tournament, later becoming the inaugural United Kingdom Champion. Around that time, NXT UK was a brand, um, and Bate was moved to the United States after the brand was shut down. He's considered to be one of the best wrestlers in the entire company. The WRKD Twitter account notes that after his recent main event match this past Monday with Dolph Ziggler, Bate has been mentioned within the company for a call-up in this year's draft that kicks off next week. After a well-received match on main event against Dolph Ziggler, NXT's Tyler Bate has been mentioned internally as a potential call-up during the upcoming WWE draft. Now, this makes my heart happy because Tyler Bate is not only one of the best wrestlers in the company, but if you saw what they have him doing on NXT, you would be absolutely mortified. I mean, they got this guy. They had this guy teaming up with Chase University, being a cheerleader for Chase University, while Chase U was was feuding with the schism. That's the best you got for Tyler Bate. I remember Tyler Bate and, and, and Trent Seven in their tag team run as Mustache Mountain on NXT UK. I remember this guy going to war with Pete Dunne for the NXT UK title. Tyler Bate is one is a part of one of the greatest matches in the history of this company with, with Walter. Does anybody remember that? This is what we got this guy doing. I would take Tyler Bate and whatever brand Pete Dunne is on, whatever brand Sheamus is on, whatever brand Gunther is on, whatever brand Imperium is on, that's the brand I'm putting him on. Same thing with Ilya Dragunov. Take Ilya Dragunov. He's ready for the fucking main run. I don't know what the fuck he's doing down there on NXT. But, I mean, they got him feuding with Dijak. Get this guy up to the main roster and put him in the IC title scene with all those guys. Can you imagine that? Those are some bangers waiting to happen. Tyler Bate on the main roster is an excellent move. Long overdue. Way overdue. The only thing I would change about Tyler Bate, I'd give him his old theme music back, and I'd have him in actual wrestling gear, man. The wrestling, I mean, aesthetics to me are very important. You look at Tyler Bate, he's out there wrestling in what looks to be his underwear. Give, give this guy some legit trunks, give him some tights, something. Something, knee pads. Actually make him look like a pro wrestler. But Tyler Bate getting called up to the main roster gets a thumbs up of approval from me, man. I think it needs to happen. It's long overdue. How much longer are you going to keep this guy down on NXT? To do what? Feud with Joe Gacy? Fuck out of here, man. Way better than what they got him doing down there. WWE is eyeing a current NXT talent to main events WrestleMania. They want to position him for a WrestleMania push. Following an unexpected character change on NXT TV, it is being reported that Von Wagner, who? Yeah, I know. If you guys don't know who Von Wagner is, man, I mean, he looks like 
He looks like Buffalo Bill from Lord of the Rings. Put the lotion in the basket, Von Wagner. <laughs> the little hobbitses. I mean, he's he's uncharismatic as I've ever seen anyone ever. He can go. Von Wagner can work. But we're talking about we're talking about Von Wagner. Imagine this. Imagine this is where WWE's priority lies. Honestly, the report states that WWE is eyeing a promising NXT star that they want to position for a main event of WrestleMania in the future. Von Wagner. They got Von Wagner as the guy they want to WrestleMania main event. Meanwhile, you got Braun Breaker, who's made leaps and bounds and strides to be great. And I love his heel turn. I think the promise of a heel turn for him is going to be tremendous. And then Carmelo Hayes. You don't think that Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker main event WrestleMania before Von Wagner? I mean, what are we doing here? Unless this is a Vince McMahon call and he doesn't like Carmelo Hayes for obvious reasons and Braun Breaker for obvious reasons. Von Wagner, he sees, as the main event guy for WWE. I don't know how you look at those two guys and then look at Von Wagner and say, yep, he's WrestleMania ready. No way, man. Absolutely no way. Von Wagner is paired with Robert Stone. They don't want them as a pairing. Then Von Wagner's begging Robert Stone to take him back. In a backstage segment, Von Wagner would refer to his heritage in wrestling, saying his father was a former Beverly brother. Von Wagner's real name is Cal Bloom, who's the son of Wayne Bloom, who wrestled as Bo Beverly as part of the Beverly brothers alongside Mike Enos, known as Blake Beverly. I love the Beverly brothers, man. I thought they were a great tag team. Wayne Bloom wrestled for WWE between 1991 and 1993 and had runs in AWA and WCW. Dave Meltzer says this, and I quote, He's tall, he's got blonde hair, and they want him to main event WrestleMania, but you need charisma to get to that level. Some have even labeled him as the next edge. <laughs> oh, man. That's fucking funny, man. That, that really is uh, that really is funny, man. Uh, Von Wagner, the next edge. <laughs> listen, listen, man. You know, you can go out there and wish upon a star for anything that you want. There is only one edge and will ever be one edge. There's never going to be another edge ever again. You're not going to have that level of charisma and in-ring ability and just fucking just natural presence like uh, like Edge, okay? I get that they want WrestleMania main event stars for their future, but this guy ain't it. Not yet, anyway. I don't want to take it away from him, but man, oh man, if you guys have watched any part of NXT and any part of Von Wagner... The guy, can, the guy can go. The guy can go. He's got a nice presence in the ring. He moves well for what he is and how long he's been there. But a WrestleMania main event, we're talking about this guy over a Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes? I mean, holy shit. The fuck is wrong with them? 
The guy's got no, and I mean no presence on the microphone. Zero. No charisma at all. This guy's been repackaged three different times already. I mean, if you don't get it, how many more times are you going to give him to try and get over? First of all, the name sucks. I don't even know. What is a Von Wagner? Just look at the name. Look at the name. It just breathes uncool. Von Wagner. How are you going to have somebody main event WrestleMania with the name Von Wagner? Not going to happen. You think the fans are going to take to that? I don't think so, bro. You got a big uphill battle with that one. WWE reportedly has plans for new faces to debut during the WWE draft. Told you this on the Monday Night Raw review. Last two weeks, Monday Night Raw has been basically unimportant. Why is it unimportant? Because WWE has a draft coming up on April 28th, and they're not ready to give you guys any fresh stories or any storylines at all because the WWE draft is going to change these rosters completely. Brian Alvarez reported today on Twitter via his subscription feed that it's looking like the names that were going to debut on the main roster on the Raw After Mania will instead debut on the draft shows on Monday and on Friday. Alvarez tweeted, it looks like some people who were supposed to debut right after Mania will appear in the draft instead. Now, it's unknown who WWE plans on moving up, but the rumored names right now are Braun Breaker, Cameron Grimes, uh, Grayson Waller, uh, Tiffany Stratton could be one of them, Roxanne Perez, depending on who wins the championship match at spring breaking. We don't know yet. I think whoever wins that match, uh, you'll see maybe... Uh, the other two get called up. Zoe Stark is another. Casey and Caden Carter are another one, right? There are names. There are names down there ready to get called up, depending on who WWE wants. I don't know. I don't know. They got a whole performance center worth of people that really need to be pushed onto TV. So calling up six, seven, eight names from NXT, I mean, I don't know what difference it's going to make if you don't call them up compared to if you do call them up. I mean, how long do you think they need to be down there? Someone like Braun Breaker should absolutely be on the main roster right now. He's been champion for t- t- twice now. He's been down there since the debut episode of 2.0. We've seen Braun Breaker in every fucking main event down there. How much more do you think he needs? I thought it was going to be Carmelo Hayes, to be quite honest with you, because I think he's further along than Breaker is. But he's going to get that championship rub, and then he'll be go- he'll be called up to the main roster when his time is when his time is ready. But yes, the reason why they did this is because they have a draft coming up, and they saved everything for the draft which you should really separate the Raw after WrestleMania from whatever draft plans you had. Don't skimp on the Raw after WrestleMania and then give everything to us via the draft. WWE will have Drew McIntyre out for just a couple of more weeks. Drew McIntyre hasn't been seen uh, since WrestleMania where he wrestled Sheamus and Gunther. That was for the Intercontinental title, one of the best matches you'll see all year, triple threat. At WrestleMania, obviously, Gunther went over and retained his title. Friday night, McIntyre blacked out his Twitter. Monday, Becky blacked out her Twitter. He removed WWE references from his bio, as did Becky Lynch. Meltzer spoke on the Observer Live and noted that McIntyre will be out of action for a few more weeks. He's not going to be back at TV next week. He's not going to be back for a couple of more weeks. They announced the Madison Square Garden show, which is in July, 
and he was not announced for that show either. I was just told it's a couple of more weeks, and we'll see what happens from there. There's an injury. There's also a contract issue, although the contract issue, again, his contract doesn't come due for many, many months. But as far as signing a new deal, there's nothing new. It's still very far apart from what he wants from WWE, Melter stated. I do think that uh, McIntyre will be on television when Meltzer says uh, he's not going anywhere. He's not going on strike. Uh, he will be a part of the WWE draft. So that's when we'll probably see him next. But, you know, outside of the contract issue and the creative issue, which is a big deal, uh, I don't know if they talked to him about that or the money thing yet. But if he's going to be on TV in a couple weeks and he's got many, many, many more months to go for his WWE deal, it's not going to sit at home. They're not going to keep him home and, and pay him. Somebody like that you need to utilize on WWE TV. I, I feel like it was more injury-related than anything, to be quite honest. I mean, coming out of that match, I mean, he's al- he was already banged up going into that match. He was even more banged up. Did you see what the fuck they did out there? He was even more banged up after that triple threat match. So giving him a couple weeks off, minus the contract, minus the creative, is well-deserved regardless. He'll be back when he's ready to go again. The contract and the creative can be dealt with at the same time. And finally, guys, is AEW planning a feud between CM Punk and Chris Jericho after Double or Nothing? Andrew Zarian reported on this past Sunday's Wrestling Observer Live that Warner Brothers is aware that CM Punk is returning. June 21 is the rumored date. Win Trust Arena in Chicago. He's also heard that the Young Bucks do not want to work with CM Punk. Now, that could change. Uh, we talked about this on the Dynamite stream last night. Uh, it could be something where we're being worked. We don't know. Andrew Zarian reported this and said, and I quote, The story here is that CM Punk is essentially happening. He's coming back. I know for a fact that Warner Brothers has been told he's coming back. They are very much aware of the situation. He recently said he was willing to return to AEW and he wants to make it work. The issue here is that he's willing to work with the elite. Now, I know that as the time I was told of this, as early as this week, there was no intention on on the other side. Maybe Kenny a little bit more than the Young Bucks. But I mean, they do not want to work with him. There's been no dialogue between the two sides, either regarding sitting down or making this work. The plans have been put in place to possibly have a Saturday show to have a soft brand split. We also talked about that on the podcast last night, and I posted a clip on Twitter. You guys should definitely go check that out. When I use that term on Matt Men, I was told that it's less soft than I'm putting out there. I guess there will be people that are predominantly on the Saturday show. Also, Dave Meltzer reported that there was a meeting scheduled between CM Punk, Tony Khan, Chris Jericho, FTR, and some other people. I've heard this from multiple sources, Zarian stated. Zarian noted that he has heard that the program will likely be Punk versus Jericho once CM Punk is back. The way it was alluded to me is that the program will probably be Punk and Jericho in some capacity. I don't know if FTR or the Jericho Appreciation Society is involved. I don't know. 
maybe there maybe there is some sort of alliance there with FTR and CM Punk being that they were a part of this meeting. I mean, if they, they what the fuck do they have to do with it? They weren't there. They weren't at the post-show media scrum. Yes, they know Punk and they speak to Punk on a daily basis. And they may be the most vocal people in the locker room backing a Punk return and backing Punk as their personal friend. But it sounds like to me, you know, this was a creative meeting of sorts outside of the usual, you know, hey, let's sweep this under the rug, let bygones be bygones. I'm willing to work with you. This sounds more like a creative meeting than anything. How are we going to map this out? And where is it going to go? That's what it sounds like to me, just reading it on the surface here from Zarian. I don't know. But one thing after all this, if the elite are going to take a little bit more time to maybe work with CM Punk, I hope that they end up doing. I hope they end up working with Punk. Kenny Omega, apparently, according to Zarian, is a little bit more open to it than the the Bucks are, but that remains to be seen. If they don't want to do it right now, we got Jericho. This is a great move. Jericho, you know, he was there. He was legitimately at the scrum on the microphone sitting next to Tony while apparently all this was going on. So he knows exactly what happened. And Jericho, you know, he's been at the tail end of a CM Punk verbal barrage on Instagram. He was called a liar and a stooge by CM Punk. After Punk has been silent for many months, hoping this would all be, you know, you know, fixed by now. But Jericho, you know, no matter what he said about Punk, I'll never work with Punk again. Uh, I don't want to work with uh, everybody. Alluding to, uh, alluding to that, he may never work with CM Punk. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, Jericho is a locker room leader. He is the locker room leader with John Moxley and Brian Danielson. If Jericho is stepping up to the plate to work with CM Punk and willing to work with CM Punk, Yes, Jericho, you could go out there and say Jericho wants a piece of the spotlight. He'll do anything to keep a piece of the spotlight working with Punk is going to get him that. Whatever, you can, you can say that, and you're not wrong. But Jericho being a locker room leader compared to the EVPs, he's standing up for the company and doing what he feels is best for the company. I can't say the same about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. If he's willing to work with CM Punk, Jericho is showing everybody how it should be done by sitting down and talking everything out. And I'm very excited if that's the case, because a a back and forth between Jericho and Punk on TV, I mean, take my fucking money right now. I mean, that would be fantastic. So who knows what they're talking about? Sounds like this was more of a creative meeting than anything about Punk's return to AEW television. So it's going to be a very interesting May and June. Very interesting. I'll be here to I'll be here to fill you guys in on everything on on how it plays out. But Punk and Jericho seemingly looks like it's going to be the first feud for Punk back before we even start uh, thinking about a Punk FTR Elite match at Wembley for all in. Guys, that is all I got for you. Hopefully you enjoyed the show today. This happy hour, we have super chats to get into. If you guys want to get them on in, it is last call. Here inside the OTS venue. I appreciate you guys very much for stopping by. As always, for episode 474. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up as well. 
We have right now 704 likes. I would love if we guys can get up to a thousand. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Follow me on social media. You guys know the deal at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. Guys, we talk a lot about long term booking. There is no greater long-term booking than Blue Chew, man. That confidence will take you where you need to go, man. Seriously. It could also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead. Be ready whenever that opportunity does arise. And the process, man, is very simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. You consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you are approved, you will receive your prescription within days. No questions asked. The best part, it's all done online. You don't got to go to the doctor's office. You don't got to wait in line at the pharmacy. You're not going to have any awkward conversations. It's great. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. They are prepared and shipped direct to you in a very discreet package. I talk about first impressions, man. I talk about long-term booking. I talk about first impressions. First impressions are big in the world of pro wrestling. They're also important when you do anything in your personal life as well. You want a job interview. You want to go out on a date. You want to make sure that first impression is is right. But first impressions, man, it's, it's so important. And then... That first impression turns into a lasting impression, and then it repeats all over again. That's where Blue Chew really shines, man. So make sure you guys go out there and make the best first impression as possible. Sign up, man. Special deal for all of our OTS listeners. Special deal. Blue Chew is yours free when you use code JD. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout to receive your first month free. All you have to do is pay the $5.00. Shipping and handling. And I want to thank Blue Chew for once again sponsoring episode 474 right here on OTS. Wednesday, Adams with a 1999 Super Chat and a 499 Super Chat. I have bad news for everyone. This is going to be my last appearance on YouTube because I've been forced to go on rehab for one year because I have health problems and anger problems. Take care, everyone. Remember OTS for life. And when I do come back from rehab, I want to see you reach 200,000 subscribers. Also, make sure Jesse looks after those tacos again by OTS family. Thank you, Wednesday Adams. I'm sorry to see you go, Wednesday. And I hope we reach 200,000 subs. I mean, we deserve it, right? Tay-Tay with a 199. Who on the WWE roster do you see getting released? Uh, Any of the Triple H names that he brought back. Honestly, you want my honest answer? Hit Row. I think Hit Row's gone. Tommy Brannigan with a 15 months. Thank you, Tommy. WWE is trying to move to TBS and TNT, JD, OTS for life. No, they're not. Why would they want that? 
I don't think I don't think TBS and TNT, I don't think Warner Media would do that to AEW. That's a low ball move, man. Tay Tay with a 499. Which tag teams do you see WWE breaking up in the draft? Uh, Chad Gable Otis, definitely. And if there is another team, I say the Usos. You know who they really need to break up? They really need to break up Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. They haven't done jack shit with them. Angel Garza needs to be on his own, man. Costa, the Cray Cray Greek with a $5 super chat. Will edibles be served in the venue for this fine 420? No. No, they will not. Jose Gomez with the $2 super chat. Hey, JD, have you seen the Mario Brothers movie yet? No, I was going to go see it on Tuesday, but um, uh, I got lazy. Jason Barker with a $5 super chat. Hope your day is going well. I have an iced matcha latte with almond milk, honey, and French vanilla as my cold beverage. Uh, Jason I appreciate your generosity with the $5 Super Chat, brother. Thank you for being in the venue, but that sounds disgusting. To each his own, man. Anything with almond milk is a no-no for me. And matcha, no thank you. We got a $5 Super Chat from Amnesiac. They say, fuck Bill Goldberg. That was uh, Amnesiac first super chat as well. Thank you. Joshua Lanier with a 199. Ask Bill, did Bret Hart get a proper send-off? How could I have, uh, how could I have forgotten that? Did Bret Hart get a proper send-off? No. He did not. Well, I guess if you want to count his match with Vince McMahon, which was overly terrible, I guess he did get his proper send-off and a hug with Shawn Michaels to uh, squash their beef. I guess he maybe, maybe got a proper send-off, but not the one that he deserved, no. Shawn Ray J with a 499. I think Triple H is keeping Sanity under wraps until the draft, and they will end up feuding with The Way, Johnny, Candice, and Dexter. I hope you're right. It certainly seemed like they were coming for sure. And there was a report that WWE has talent signed that you have not seen or heard from yet. So, Stallions Productions with a 499. Thank you, Stallions. Would you be okay with Goldberg putting over Wardlow? Yes, I would. Tony Storm really wants the Bellas in their group. Who would you like to see Jay White feud with? Uh, the Bellas uh, do not belong on any television show from this point on. Uh, I would be okay with Goldberg uh, putting over Wardlow. And who would I like to see Jay White feud with? Adam Cole. Joe, the show with a 999 Super Chat. Hey, JD, you may have already talked about this, but how do you think the draft is going to go? Who goes to which brand and who will get called up? Keep up the great work, brother. OTS for life. Well, I mentioned some names about getting uh, called up, Joe. Um, I don't think much changes drastically about the draft and the way it's presented, man. I honestly think that with Vince McMahon back, it's, it's probably going to be as simplistic as it has been, to be honest with you. 
I don't think nothing's nothing presentation wise going to change. Tone C with a five dollar super chat. Happy four twenty to everyone sipping on dark and stormies and smoking some Paris. I loved when Biggie rolled down the ramp. Thank you, Tone C. Cody Snyder with a five dollar super chat. Another bonus to an AEW roster split would be an extra show with you on Saturdays, or so I'm assuming. OTS VIP for life. Cheers, Chief. Yeah. All right, if that show's live, uh, we may have to go live on Saturday night for at least a couple hours. Chris Bell, 12 months. Do you think if the roles were reversed and Becky Lynch did what Mercedes did by walking out, fans would turn on her as well and call her a quitter? No. I don't. I think Sasha Banks has this weird, fucking bizarre hatred on social media that I just don't really understand. She's living her best life, man. Enjoy it. Nima P. Azar with a $2 super chat. Attitude error or ruthless aggression error? Attitude error. Colby Duran with a $4.99 super chat. Hey, JD, what's up? Do you think if the Elite and Punk and FTR actually face off at All In, will finish, will the finish cause problems in who goes over? Uh, probably. Probably. I could see that being a problem for sure, uh, Colby. If they don't want to work with him now and refuse to work with him now, I mean, I don't see them wanting to work with him even if things are okay. There's there's always going to be a problem. And Francis Loop with a $10 super chat. Couldn't Endeavor be handling the TV rights negotiations since they are the senior owners of WWE? Wouldn't Endeavor sign the Warner Media with Warner Media, especially if they offer more money than NBC Universal? Uh, bro, Vince McMahon is facilitating the TV rights deals. This is what we were told. And Vince McMahon is going to be doing that for WWE. You would think Endeavor is in charge of all that, but uh, at this point, I don't really know. We're under the assumption that Vince McMahon is running all of it. And the decision will be made because Vince McMahon is there. And that's the reason why he's back. He's back to see a sale of the company. And he's back for TV rights negotiations, though he's wearing a headset backstage and has creative power in the company again. You were all bamboozled, man. You were lied to. Anyway, guys, that's all we got. Appreciate you for hanging out tonight. Episode 474 in the books. Make sure you guys go out there and support the show, man, by any which way. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Please hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And make sure you guys go and check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. And continue to hit that thumbs up, man. We would love to see 1,000 likes on the show. AWC Legend with a 499. Do you think there could be a shocker and Roman Reigns gets drafted to Raw? And WWE needs a new stage set and badly. OTS for life. Now, Roman's staying with SmackDown. I can't see I can't see Fox letting go of Roman Reigns, man. That's where the bloodline will be until the conclusion of their story. Fox is not going to let Roman Reigns go to Monday Night Raw. Anyway, guys, next time you see me will be tomorrow night, SmackDown Live. There is no Rampage tomorrow night, so we'll be in the venue early, man. We'll be in the venue early. SmackDown tomorrow night, live on YouTube. Hopefully you guys join me tomorrow night. Until then, guys, thank you so very much. 
Thank you for hanging out with me on your Thursdays. Thank you for the super chats. And I will see you all right back here on Friday night for SmackDown right here on Off the Script. I'll see you guys later.